Hi, and welcome to the podcast Benzo Tired. My name is Naftal Benesty, and I'm Dutch. This podcast is about my journey coming off of benzodiazepines and more. Disclaimer, always consult your physician for medical advice. This is episode 25, Sarah Nadav of Coheal. And today it's February 15th, 2023. So in a minute or three, you will be hearing Sarah Nadav and I talking uh, yet another interview. Uh, But before we get to that point, I really wanted to share some things concerning the podcast. I've been so busy. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I've been doing good stuff, things that I like. So first of all, the previous two interviews that I had, I used the same service that I always use to do the interviews, but there there were some glitches in the audio, and I'm not really totally sure why that was, Um, but I think it was because I was using another device. So this interview with Sarah, it's totally crisp in terms of audio. Hopefully all of my interviews will be the same way. Now, one of the things that was kind of in my mind was like the last episode that I did on my own taper, which is episode 20, Updoshi Wrote. I kind of ended with, um, I updosed from four to five milligrams of diazepam slash Valium because I was having seizures. And I was like, oh gosh, but I really need to update you guys. Um, And I will in the future. Um, I want to let you know this, as long as I am publishing episodes, as long as I'm doing this, well, first of all, obviously I'm alive, duh, duh. Um, I haven't had seizures since. And I thought maybe if you were concerned, I wanted to let you know. Um, in the future, I will do an episode on my taper or, you know, holding my dose, whatnot, who knows what will happen. But again, I think the most important thing is, is that I feel better. I also recently gathered that the seizures that I had weren't life threatening. So that was kind of calming, even though obviously, of course, having seizures is super fucked up. And I'd rather not have them again. I will add a link in the description that I found to be very informative in terms of seizures, the different kinds, and what can cause them. As you've possibly noticed, I've been making a lot of episodes in a short amount of time. Um, It just happens to be this way. There's some sort of a flow when either there's an idea or there's a person, there's an interview, something about my taper. And I've been uploading a lot of these episodes. However, I do have to say that even though I have some things planned in the near future in terms of episodes, there I predict that there will be a point in time that there will be more of an interval between episodes. Um, I hope that at some point I can say at the end of the episode, like, okay, this was this episode and the next episode will be then and then and then. I'm not there yet. I'm still very much in the go with the flow kind of thing. And um, it feels good. It's okay. And obviously, if you are listening and you're in withdrawal, I am so sorry that you're suffering. You will get out. You will get better. You can get better. And I just want to be a voice of hope because I thought I'd never get out of the hell that I used to be in. But I'm just so hopeful. And I hope that I can get that across, that there is hope. Because I should, honestly, I should have died. <laughs> I should have died with, with what happened to me. But I didn't die. Um, so there is hope for absolutely everybody. So that's a wrap for that. And I hope that you enjoy the interview that I had with Sarah. Hey, we're, I think we're in. Yeah, we did it. Hi, welcome. <laughs> welcome. Hi. 
Hi. So, Sarah, could you share with the audience why you were prescribed a benzodiazepine and which one? 14 years ago, I was just going through a particularly rough time in my life. A close family member had medical problems. Uh, my kids were very young. Um, and it was just a hard period of my life. I went to a psychiatrist who prescribed an antidepressant. The antidepressant caused anxiety and insomnia. And then he prescribed Xanax. Okay. And how was your experience on the benzo? It was, I think, you know, it was great when I first took it. Um, it was helpful. It calmed me down. But then it really just stopped working. Uh, it was like a maintenance dose I took every day. It was just, you know, I, you know, in my medicine cabinet, and this is what I take every day. But uh, I, it didn't really help me after, by, I don't know, two or three years. Okay, okay. And when did you start trying to come off of it? So at the point that I realized it wasn't helping me, I didn't realize it was dangerous to come off. And I just was like, this pill doesn't do anything. <laughs> so why am I taking it? Um, the, and I just didn't fill a prescription and it was a holiday weekend and three days into the, three days later, I was sleeping and woke up because I was having seizures and, uh, an ambulance ca came to bring me to the hospital. Um, okay. yeah. Okay, so um, did you realize once in the hospital that you were having seizures because you had abruptly stopped taking the Xanax? So no, I, I got like MRIs and it, it, I don't even know, I, they did take an intake of what I was taking every day. And it was honestly, it was so many years ago. This was uh, a, a, like a decade almost. Um, and somehow, Eventually, I was in the hospital for like three days. They established I didn't have epilepsy. They and and they figured out that I had stopped taking the Xanax and that had caused the seizure. So, um, and then at that point, I was told to continue taking the Xanax and to go back to my regular doctor. My regular doctor said, "Okay, it's dangerous for you to come off, and you're stable at this dose." So you should just take it forever. Like expect to take it for the rest of your life. Whoa. Um, yeah. So what what happens next? So you're kind of aware that if you stop taking the Xanax abruptly, you'll get seizures. So that's dangerous. People are telling you to stay on it forever. What happens next? Well, then I just had a really long journey of trying to come off because I didn't particularly like the way I felt when I took it. Or I, I really... Um, ultimately, what what pushed me to really get off was that I couldn't live in fear of losing my pills and having another seizure. And I very much lived in fear of that happening. Um, and I, I just felt like that was way too vulnerable of a way to exist. Right, right. So how did you try to come off? I tried going to different doctors. I really could not find any assistance. Um, 
And eventually I found a doctor who, a psychiatrist who came recommended through friends. And that psychiatrist told me that he was an expert in withdrawal. Um, and he, he, he wasn't basically. Um, and he did a rapid taper for me about 18 months ago. And he prescribed antipsychotics and anti-seizure medication and gave me a one month plan. And at that time I was actually also taking Ambien. And over the years, uh, and I had switched to Klonopin um, and my dose had gone up. I was taking up, I was taking about two milligrams of Klonopin a day for a really long time. And then my mother passed away and, um, and I, I just started taking a little bit more. And so by the time I was getting off, I was taking four milligrams plus 20 milligrams of uh, Ambien plus like 15 milligrams of a different benzo that I, another doctor had prescribed. And I honestly, I, I didn't understand uh, the gravity of the dose that I was taking. It didn't seem like a lot to me. Two milligrams doesn't seem like a lot. Four milligrams doesn't seem like particularly a lot. Um, I kind of knew the Ambien was a lot and altogether um, also something that was happening to me, which is really awful was um, I was, I was really sick and I was going to the doctor a lot and, and, and just complaining. And I kept getting told I was depressed and I kept saying, no, I'm sick, but all my test results came back that I wasn't sick, but um, I was my I had a lot of muscle aches all the time. I my I had a lot of stomach trouble. I thought I had an autoimmune disease. Um, I would get exhausted at really unexpected times. I would get overcome with nausea in the evenings and afternoons, um, which turned out to be tolerance withdrawal because because I didn't like the feeling of taking benzos, I would take them only at night. So I would take this really high dose at night. And then by the next day, or like in the afternoon, I was uh, going through withdrawal daily. Wow. Wow. And, and when, um, when are your aha moments coming? Where do you get educated on what benzo withdrawal is and tolerance withdrawal and so forth? So when I went to this doctor and he gave me this one month plan, at that point I was in a bunch of support groups online and I was listening to what people said and I was honestly really confused because when, when I went to go look, uh, you know, the addiction centers say one month, they have this one month timeline and it's, you know, the, the most common timeline that I saw. Uh, and then in the, and, and my doctor was saying it was safe. And then in the support groups, people were like, no, this is absolutely not safe. You shouldn't do this. And I really couldn't tell who was right and who was wrong. And I didn't know who to trust, which is why I ended up trusting my doctor because it seemed like a doctor would know better than the support groups. And it turned out support groups really knew much better than my doctor. So um, my aha moment came, I think, like a month after I was off. I tapered down in one month, and then I was going through the absolute 
like so many other people say, I was going through absolute hell. But I just was... for perspective, for perspective. So you were on Xanax first, then you switched to Clonopin. You were yeah. also Ambien, and you quit all of that, or all these drugs. You quit in one month, or was it just the Clonopin, or just the Ambien, or everything? Um... I quit it all in one month. <laughs> this doctor well, had this schedule with like every three days or every five days, I was lowering doses. Goodness. Okay. So yeah. So you're in this. Well, hell. Yeah. Um, how long did it last for? How did you survive all of that? <laughs> Honestly, at, at one point, like three weeks in, I, on top of everything, my dad, I live in Israel, my dad got COVID and I needed to fly to help him. And I was going to the psychiatrist, like, and my mom had died, like, three months before. I was like, should I be doing this now? Like, this doesn't seem like a good idea. He's like, no, no, you're fine, and you're doing fine. So I was flying, and at one point, I remember being in an airport and sending him, like, a message and being like, um, I don't know if there's an earthquake or if I'm shaking, but, like, the whole world is shaking right now. And... Um, Yes, I don't honestly know how I survived. Uh, it was it was weird because when I was going down, I didn't feel the withdrawal too intensely. I almost felt okay. Maybe that's because I was taking Seroquel and the anti-seizure medications. So it was only when I was off of everything, maybe a week or two after that, that I started to have really, really intense physical symptoms. Um, I started shaking, like basically constantly. Uh, like I had to drink through a straw because I couldn't hold a cup to my mouth because my head and my hands were shaking that badly. Like um, echathesia? It wasn't echathesia, it was more like a constant tremor. Okay. Like from what I understand from echathesia, people feel like an agitation right 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 yeah um, it's hard but, to kind of you know having those distinct things i sometimes struggle with that as well when i have the jerks sometimes i'm like okay i'm um I'm just massive jerks or is it akathisia but you are right i think akathisia does entail some sort of mental restlessness at the same time so it you know so many things are happening to us neurologically so it's, sometimes it's hard to really label that but okay go on what was happening you know you were drinking through a straw i'm guessing yeah, you these were are like fun. war stories <laughs> i was i was drinking through a straw i was not eating i was losing a lot of weight um, I was having nightmares uh, every single night. Um, I would just close my eyes and dream of murders. Um, people being pushed off buildings, uh, like every kind of murder, just all night. It was just like murder in my room. Um, and that was brutal. Um, it made me not want to go to sleep. Um, so yeah, the, so the nightmares were awful. I was hallucinating and I was uh, seeing spiders and bugs crawling on my bed. Wow. Um, it was so fucking disturbing. 
I know, I know. And especially the whole death thing, I think it's very relatable to people in acute withdrawal or to rapid withdrawal or just in withdrawal. Just thoughts about death in some sort of way seems to be a very prevalent kind of withdrawal symptom to think about death a lot. I don't know why that is, but it seems to be a common theme a lot. So, so as you are going through this, you know, nightmare, basically, are you alone? Do you have any support? What's your situ living situation? What's happening? Who is, is someone seeing you? Are you just by yourself? So it was like in the thick of COVID, right? And there were lockdowns and we weren't seeing people. You, were, you, you know, everything was very limited. Um, like the amount that you could even see people if you wanted to was very limited. Um, I have two kids. And that was the worst part because I was unable to parent in any way. And right. I just, I just tried to shield them as much as possible um, from even seeing me. I, I like just closed the door of my room and ordered a lot of takeout and, and just like, I, we had this piece of land behind the house and I had dogs. And I, the most that I could do pretty much in a day was walk out into our backyard and watch the dogs like run and play. And I would do that every morning. Okay. And, 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 and how long would you say that you were in this kind of state? Did, did you notice any improvements as time went on? What happens? Yeah, I will definitely improve. The first month was the worst. Uh, like I was just a shell of a human being. Um, and then it started to improve over, I would say by month three. Um, although, you know, it, it's like, I'm sure other people can understand this when you're vomiting for three months, shaking for three months, having nightmares and, and, and like, you know, the, my skin was itching everywhere and, um, I had depersonalization, um, which I actually think was probably a blessing at the time, which was that I just felt very disconnected to myself, almost like I was watching my body go through all these things. Like I could, I could kind of be, I knew I was hallucinating and it wasn't all the time. It was just like every now and then, especially in low lighting. And I would be like, ooh, that's weird. Like, I know those aren't real. And it's pretty fucked up that my head is doing that, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I, I oddly wasn't upset about it. I was just like, uh, like, ooh, that's weird. Um, and I, I, so I was very disconnected. Um, I was very disconnected. And then about three months in, I started to, uh, I guess, regulate would be the correct word. Uh-huh. It was like my body, I stopped shaking as much, although I was shaking for a very long time, months. But I, I was able to eat. I was able to drink. I was able to take short walks. So I think by month four, I was, I was significantly better, or at least better enough that I was like, there's an a light at the end of this tunnel. Like if I'm healing, that means I'm going to continue healing and I'm not going to be stuck like this forever.
Right, right. And and by this time, you're off every single medication, all the benzos, the cotyping, the Seroquel, or are there some things that you need to take to get through this? So I continued on the anti-seizure medication because I was like, just frankly terrified about what was happening with my body in that. Um, and then because of the groups, because of the support group. So now I took everybody seriously. I was like, these are the only people who know what's going on. Um, I got a lot of warnings about Seroquel and I also looked into it myself and there is no research that shows that Seroquel helps in any way. Um, mm -hmm. like, and, and, I, and I was like, if this doesn't help, why am I taking it? Uh, also it was making me, um, actually it was making me faint. It was making me dizzy. Oh. And and it turns out it's a vasodilator and your autonomic nervous system gets really uh, disrupted during benzo withdrawal. A lot of people get something called POTS. Um, I can never pronounce it right, but it's postural uh, orthopedic tachycardia. Uh, but it's basic it's basically like your heart is working extra hard to pump blood and your veins are not uh like contracting well enough so anyway a, another doctor was later like how could you be on seroquel like it's the opposite of what you should be taking so maybe i took seroquel for a month and i didn't uh like i have to taper off of it i and i just told that other psychiatrist that like i'm not i'm not taking anything unless it's proven to help and at that point i was very cautious i, I was not taking any medications um i did but that's the point where I, there are two things that I think were really pivotal for helping me make a leap forward in feeling better. Okay. Um, one was I found a really great neurologist. Um, and that neurologist, he was so understanding and he was, he just, like he explained the hallucinations to me. He's like, yeah, you know, it's like your brain is is firing and watering right now it's got to rebuild and so this is hitting some kind of visual stimulation part in your brain and so you're you know it's it's firing and and so you're seeing things but he's like don't worry about it it'll pass your brain will heal those will those will end um and he was just he was very like uh benzo aware and very practical um oh i forgot to mention i crippling migraines uh i i had um what's called kaleidoscope vision where right you look out and, and like everything is swimming and i would just like everything would start swimming and then i'd be overcome with a headache and my headaches went on for days at a time i just think weeks months like it was just constant so he gave me botox um for migraines and within, did it help yeah within two weeks my pain levels went down, my migraines <clears throat> became much less frequent. And this is where I also kind of parted ways a bit with the like support groups. Mm -hmm. Because when I shared like, oh, this is working for me, and it's been really helpful. There were a ton of people who jumped on me to be like, no, you know, Botox is poison, you're putting poison into your body. And no medication is, is going to help and there's no treatment besides time and you can't be turning to big pharma to solve your problems. And I was like, you know, no, 
I, there's gotta be some balance here. And if this is giving me relief and millions of people are doing Botox and I get it, some people end up with like, you know, half of their face drooping or something. But to me at that moment, I was like, I don't care. I don't even leave my bed. If half of my face droops because he puts it in the wrong way, like that wouldn't even, that's not even on my radar compared to the crippling pain. Right. Well, you know, I think it's sometimes tricky with the support groups, wherever you would be. Um, people are very opinionated um, and that makes people go away from the support groups. And I'm like, whatever works for you, if you get relief and you feel that something is helping, hey, we just want people to be better. Right. But a lot of people can be judgmental about certain things. So yeah, I, I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. Like I, I went to a benzo coach who really gave me a hard time like that I needed to stop the Botox that, you know, I was fooling myself and really, really, really gave me a hard time. And, and that was the only session I had. So I was like, no, you know what? Like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm an evidence-based person and there is clearly not enough research about benzos, but if I'm going to look into something and if I feel that it's safe and now I understand informed consent, if I had looked into benzos and really, uh, really done the kind of work that I do now into anything that I take, I would never have touched it. Right, right. Well, I think most listeners would um, agree with that. So in terms of timeline, um, when would you say that you were, well, I'm trying to describe it here, but mostly recovered from your whole benzo ordeal and other med meds? All right, so here's my timeline. So the first thing that helped was uh, the Botox for migraines. The second thing that helped came from a psychiatrist who I'm now working with at Cohill, and his name is Emilio. Um, I hope I'm not mispronouncing his last name. Emilio R. I just call him by his first name. So, uh, so I was I I decided that I was going to tweet. Um, and be super public about my experience. Because while some people are embarrassed, I was not embarrassed at all. I felt wronged and, uh, and angry about mm -hmm. what I had gone through. Right. Um, I don't feel anybody, I don't feel anybody has anything to be embarrassed about when it comes to taking a medication. Um, and I think I think shame and silence are what allows this to go on. Um, and I'm super grateful to everybody who, I think people are really speaking up a lot more than, um, than they used to. So anyway, I was tweeting about it and Emilio saw one of my tweets and answered it. And then he and I started, started corresponding. I'm in Tel Aviv and he's in the UK. So he's been doing a lot of research in psychedelics. Um, he's an Oxford-trained psychiatrist uh, who got disillusioned with pharmacology mm -hmm. and did, uh, like, he does clinical research now, and he did research on helping people get off of SSRIs using mushrooms. Mm -hmm. And he was planning, planning like, clinical trials for benzo withdrawal and mushrooms. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think there's a lot going on in terms of research with neuroplasticity and um, 
and I know uh, for a fact it was recently on the news in my country, in the Netherlands, they are doing trials with people that are depressed or have some trauma with actually using mushrooms, LSD, just very controlled. Um, so it's very interesting that there's seems to be a shift happening away from the, you know, the psychopharmaca towards natural stuff. So it's very interesting to me how this is, you know, happening. Yeah, and the psychedelics do um, neuroregenesis. It, it, they actually, uh, like your neurons, and it, it kind of wakes your brain up. And they've seen um, and documented uh, really impressive results. So um, he gave me a, like a instructions on the dose to take um, and I found a local therapist and I actually took mushrooms once a week for five weeks in a row. And how was your experience? Amazing. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. So what inspired you to make Oheal happen? Well, I'm a longtime entrepreneur. I actually lost my job because of benzos and because of withdrawal, I was not able to function um, for months. So, uh, and then as part of my story, just right when I was feeling better, I got COVID and it became kind of long COVID and then I had to deal with that. So um, I, I was thinking of how, when I was feeling better, how am I gonna come back into the workforce? What am I gonna do? And um, I'm just like a natural problem solver in my head. If there's something that I feel needs to be fixed, it, it like sits on me, weighs on me in, until something's being done. And where can people find you and Coheal? So uh, you can find us at our website, which is coheal.me at, um, I'm about to get my address, coheal.me.com. And right now we're offering coaching services uh, with like taper scheduling, withdrawal plans, and medical advocacy. You also have an Instagram page. I think it's also just called Coheal. It's coheal.benzo. Sorry, coheal.benzo. Okay, and is there any advice that you want to give our listeners currently in withdrawal? Yeah, I think the, the best advice that I got that I could pass on is um, something that my mom said, and she said not to borrow trouble because whatever you're feeling in the moment that you're in it, if it's shaking or vomiting or brain zaps or, or itching, you don't need to, you need to worry about what's going on in that moment, but you don't need to project into the future that it's never going to end and you're going to be like that forever. And this is the new normal for your life. And you don't know, nobody knows how things are going to play out. Um, but, but that kind of stress is, uh, is, is, I don't know, conquering that for me was half the battle. Just like I can get through today. I can get through tomorrow. And I can acknowledge the small bits of healing as, as I move forward. 
Right, right. Good advice. And in terms of your own kind of healing after basically being polydrugged and all these benzos, would you consider yourself completely healed? Do you still have some, you know, um, protracted withdrawal uh, symptoms going on or nothing like that? It's impossible for me to know because I got COVID while I was still healing. And then I don't know if you've spoken to other people, but long COVID is oddly similar to benzo withdrawal. Yeah, I've heard so much about that. I think I'm so blessed that I haven't gotten COVID so far. So, um, but yeah, I actually spoke to someone recently who um, went through a really long withdrawal, like years, um, and she had recently gotten COVID and it was like benzo withdrawal all over again, she said. So um, I think you're right about that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sarah. And I'll um, speak to you soon. Yes, thank you so much. Okay, goodbye. Bye-bye. So that was the interview with Sarah. I hope that you all enjoyed. I think for me personally, this journey, even though it sucks, it totally sucks that we are sick, I am sick, whatever, benzo withdrawal, it totally sucks and super unfair and all of that. But meeting these people that well, first of all, they survived. Um, but what I think is very, very beautiful to see is that there's so many people that really want to, you know, bring awareness to the world about benzodiazepines and that they try to make a difference. I just think that's such a good thing to see. Um, it inspires me as well. That's why I keep making the podcast series. Now, I can't tell you exactly when the next episode is going to be out, um, but it won't be very long from this day. So again, hope you're all well and best of luck. And I'm sending you all my strength and some of my hours of sleep that I've been having. So you can have some of those as well. Okay, y'all take care now, okay? Thank you for listening to the episode. Be well, be safe. And remember, it's not a race. And don't forget to subscribe.